Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. A home for the future. Imagine if you could construct a home for the future. And in it would be the latest appliances, the newest items that had come out from the manufacturers. Well, that's exactly what Westinghouse did in 1918. A hundred years ago, Westinghouse built a home, a home they called the home of the future. And this is what it looked like. The picture up above is a rendition of the original building. The picture down below is what that home looks like today. If you were able to go to Mansfield, Ohio and visit this home, you would find it sitting up on a hill with an amazing view of the valley. The reason why Westinghouse built it there was because in 1918, they started producing all of their appliances out of Mansfield, Ohio. It was the center in which Westinghouse would continue to grow and flourish. In its heyday, there were over 8,000 people residing in Mansfield who called that place their form of employment. You can see in this image of an aerial view of the buildings of Westinghouse. Now let's go back one, Ryan. Oh, there you go. If you'll see there, the, this is what the building looked like. It was fascinating. It was kind of the hub of Mansfield, Ohio. Everything was built around it. And from 1918 to 1975, I'm sorry, 1990, this city flourished because of Westinghouse. But now I want to show you another aerial picture of what it looks like today. You can see significant difference that 30 years makes upon a building. If you were to go to Mansfield, Ohio right now, you would see the house and you would see this factory. Recently, I discovered that Mansfield, Ohio, this city council got together and approved $5 million in order to tear down this building. I say kudos to Mansfield, Ohio. Because for 30 years, this building has stood there. For 30 years, individuals, when they drove by it, had to remember the glory days. From 1990 to 2020, they continually had it brought before their face that this is what it used to be like. And this building was not only an indication of what happened to 
Westinghouse, it's also what happened to the city. Because as more, indiv more individuals, as once the uh, Westinghouse closed down, more and more individuals left Mansfield, Ohio to find work in other places. When I see what happened to Mansfield, Ohio, it reminds me of what happened to Jerusalem. The text that was written, read for us from Haggai chapter 2 describes a situation that is very much similar to what happened there in Mansfield, Ohio. The city had been destroyed by the Babylonians. Those who were the prestigious, those who were the movers and shakers of Jerusalem, they were all taken captive, removed from the city and taken to Babylon. All that were left were the poor, the tradesmen. And again, for almost 70 years, they had to witness what used to be the grandeur of the city of Jerusalem. We're told in the Bible that Cyrus, a Persian, came to power, and he freed the, the Israelites. And the word free isn't really true. He gave them permission. He gave them permission to return to Jerusalem. And you would think that the majority of people would go, ah, ah let's go. But if you were born and raised in Babylon, and that's all you knew, there's a real good chance that you would want to stay there. I mean, why relocate to a place that you've never seen before? But imagine if you were a child and you could still recall what the city of Jerusalem looked like. And that as you aged, you would tell the stories to your children. And you would pass on what that city used to look like. Perhaps you would be excited to be able to go back to Jerusalem. And so Haggai and some others went with him, and they went back to Jerusalem. And when they came across the top of Mount Olive, in my mind, they looked down at the city of Jerusalem, and they didn't see a city. All they saw was a foundation of a temple. Sure, there were structures of the original city that were still existing, but the temple, the center of the city of Jerusalem, the only thing that now existed was a foundation that someone had started building and then quit. When Haggai saw this, he became discouraged. But he wasn't the only one who was discouraged. There were individuals who could recall in their mind what that original temple looked like. And they just by looking at the size of the foundation, they realized that it was nothing, nothing compared to Solomon's temple. And as they remembered the past and as they looked at the present, they became discouraged. Where would the glory be anymore? They were a shell of what they used to be. And that's why Haggai says what he does in that we find in the Hebrew Scripture or the Christian Old Testament. 
Haggai chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? I think Haggai stumbled upon something, and he captured it in these words. In these words, he's telling the people, when you look to the past, it becomes a hindrance to the present. When you look to the past, it can be a hindrance to persevering in the present. And that's exactly what happened. Who wanted to build a temple that wasn't even a shadow of what the original temple looked like? Haggai did. There were younger individuals who also were excited about the opportunity to once again have a temple, a place in which their God would reside. Today, you and I are not called to build the temple. The majority of us here and, and listening are not called to build a building. That isn't in our hand. But we are called to build. We are called to build and restore relationships. We are called to build and restore our families. We are called to build and restore our communities. And yes, we are even called to build and restore our own character. But just like Mansfield, that took them 30 years to finally say enough of our past and a willingness to spend that money and tear down those buildings. And just like in Haggai's time, individuals continue to recall what the, the temple used to look like. And that was a discouragement to what they could do in the moment. Just like them, you and I find ourselves called to build again. But will we allow the past to be a hindrance to what it is we can do right now? Take, for example, our relationships. I would imagine in your lifetime that you have experienced trauma due to relationships. Relationships either in your family, relationships with friends, relationships with colleagues. More than likely, each and every one of us has experienced that type of trauma. And when you are hurt in relationships, we build up calluses. We don't want to be hurt again. And so we, when we find ourselves in a relationship that begins to, to kind of 
trigger us a little bit. Our mind will take us back to the past. And it will say to us, do you remember what happened to you back then? <laughs> You're not going to let that happen again, are you? Don't be a fool. Put up your barriers. Don't let anyone hurt you like they used to. And because of those thoughts of recalling the past, it becomes a hindrance to the possibilities of the future. Of not only the future, but of the very moment. If we are going to persevere in our relationships, in our families, in our communities, and even our own growth as human beings, we must be able to let go of the past and not let us hinder and not let us be a, it be a hindrance for us to persevere. You know, I looked up the word persevere, and in my mind I knew what it was, but I wanted to, to double check. To persevere means to continue to move forward despite the obstacles and the real challenges that lie before you. And so, yes, you may have been hurt in a past relationship, but are you going to let that stop you from entering into new relationships? New possibilities that will arise because of these new relationships. And so while it happened in Mansfield, Ohio, it happened with Haggai in the city of Jerusalem in the temple. It happens in our own personal lives. It can also happen here at Church of the Beatitudes. We can allow the past to be a hindrance to the present and in the future. Next week, we're going to celebrate the Jubilee. Fifty years, individuals have come together on Sundays and other days of the week in this place. Some of you remember what it looked like. There wasn't just one minister. There was a multitude of ministers. The choir, the music was vibrant and large. We took pride in our music program, in the arts program. We would showcase it to the community not only that, but there were extravagant social events. I saw a picture the other day of the plaza filled with people sitting at tables. And it reminded me that Church of the Beatitudes 
needs to hear the words of Haggai. Listen again to verse 3. Who is left among you who saw a church of the Beatitudes in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? If we were to chart the membership and the attendance at Church of the Beatitudes, it would look like a bell curve. It started out with individuals meeting in a bar. It was nice, we called it Bud Brown's Barn, but it was really a bar that closed down and on the weekends they would move their stuff in and have service. So it started down here and it quickly moved up. Our founding minister left records showing how many people joined every single year. It was phenomenal. And within a matter of time, there were over 3,000 members here at Church of the Beatitudes. It was one of the pinnacle churches in the United Church of Christ. All you had to do back then is in Phoenix, tell individuals, well, what church do you go to? I go to Church of the Beatitudes. Oh, yes. Today, we still hear about the Phoenix 40. Those were the glory days. But unfortunately, as soon as it reached the top of that bell curve, it began to decline. Church of the Beatitudes was not immune to the slow decrease in membership and attendance. But I use that word on purpose, slow. So as quickly as it grew, its decline was very, very slow. To the point where the majority of people didn't even notice it. And just like you have had trauma in relationships, this church has experienced trauma. And that trauma had a very negative impact, and it sped up the decline of Church of the Beatitudes. And now, we are, find ourselves at the exact same place that Haggai did. They see what is before them, and they remember what was in the past, and they've grown discouraged. What's the use of trying? Why not just quit? Haggai wouldn't let them quit. That's why Haggai three times in verse 4 offers this admonition. Take courage. Take courage. Take 
courage. I might be afraid. Then take courage. I don't see what the future could be. I don't see how a temple could ever be what it used to be. Then take courage. Church, the Beatitudes is nothing compared to what it used to be. It'll never be the same. Then take courage. But Haggai wouldn't stop there. He just didn't say the words, take courage. He follows it up with another admonition. And work. Work. Get together your skilled laborers. Call upon all able-bodied individuals to come and help us. Yes, it may not be what it used to be, but it can be something else. The possibilities are still before us, but it means we have to take courage and we've got to work. And then he offered them this advice. In verse 5, it says, Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Why? Because God is with you. In whatever way you understand God, Haggai was saying to them, know that God is with you and that the Spirit of God is abiding in your midst. My view of God is different than Haggai's. And so I imagine in my mind that the Spirit of God was in their midst when the people started coming together. When the people started showing courage. When the people decided they were going to work together. They were not going to quit. Yes, what they built was not going to be even close to what they used to have. But they did not allow the past to hinder the possibilities of the future. And so in your rebuilding of in your own personal life, be it relationships, be it families, be it your community, be it in your own self and your character growth, hear the words of Haggai. Take courage. Don't stop. Work. Do not allow the past to hinder you from persevering. And for the Church of Beatitudes, this church will never be what it once was.
We have to accept that. But just as that church became what it was meant to be, we have to decide if we are willing to have the courage to continue to work. Will we have the courage to no longer look at the past, but to see the possibilities? Yes, we now have one minister. Yes, we don't have a choir. We don't even have a music director yet. Our attendance is nothing compared to what it used to be. We've taken out pews. It still can't fill them. We have to borrow money just to meet our expenses every year. So why not quit? Why not just keep things the way they are until the money's all gone? If we want to do something, if we believe just like the individuals who started this church, if we can believe that the Church of Beatitudes still has a future, it is called to be something. It is called to be a place where an alternative way of living the Christian life is offered. Where people can come from atheist to agnostic to Christian, from conservative to liberal. If we can model to Phoenix and Arizona, and God knows it needs the model right now. Amen? A place where people can disagree but still get along with each other. We cannot quit. There's something to build. I pray that you will find the courage to work and dream of the possibilities that are before us. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.